0: Welcome, everyone, and thank you for joining this ISACA podcast. I'm your host, Colin Better, the principal emerging technology of professional practices here at ISACA, and joining me today is a very special guest, Sarah Katz. She is the cybersecurity technical writer, and she's here with me today to discuss her recently released article. Sarah, thank you for joining me today.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: All right, so let's just start this off. Can we take a moment to introduce you to our audience? Can you tell me a little bit about your background and and what is it that you do?
1: Sure. Um, so I am a cybersecurity technical writer at Microsoft. Um, previously, I worked as a cybersecurity analyst um, for about six years, spanning um, organizations from NASA to Facebook um, to PayPal. I didn't have any Educational history in this space. Um, I have a master's degree in counterterrorism. So I sort of transitioned more from the uh, geopolitical space to the cybersecurity, cyberterrorism type of space. And I really never looked back. I think that this is an extremely lucrative arena and it's always growing.
0: That's pretty cool. Yeah, I came from a cybersecurity background myself. So awesome. So this is a pretty interesting article that you have written up and I recommend everybody read it, but can you tell me what is it that inspired you to write this?
1: Sure, so obviously phishing is a primary, primary method of attack that we see in the cybersecurity space. Today, it has been for years. And a big reason is because the human element is still really the biggest threat um, that can allow hackers to attack. And the UI specifically, uh, the user interface of certain applications, uh, specifically mobile applications, what the user sees while they're using the app can easily throw off their judgment, if that makes sense. And so I was really interested in how what the user sees makes them more susceptible to falling for like a certain text that they might receive while they're distracted by, I mean, it could really be anything. Uh, This study used a couple of specific applications as examples, but there's just like, I would say that the risk really spans all applications.
0: Yeah, I agree, and I I guess it's a little bit more important. Let's, Let's first provide a brief explanation of kind of what is augmented reality before we get into anything else.
1: Sure, so augmented reality refers to the combination of real life experiences and Artificial experiences. So it could be anything from like Google Maps, Google Glass. It's really anything where the user is not fully immersed. They're only partially immersed and they are aware of the real world around them. Pokemon Go, that's like a very pure sort of example because you see everything as it is. Like the view in front of you is completely natural except for like you're seeing little pokemon in front of you so it's kind of like when the application superimposes like objects that aren't really there onto um a user view that's otherwise completely natural
0: yeah i i uh back in my day i, I played a little bit of pokemon go it's pretty cool it's it's uh just to help explain. It's like a map and then you walk around and you're, you're just on your phone and you're walking on the map and then on your screen there's there's little things that you can collect and, and stuff like that. It's pretty cool. So um, I guess, how does this differ from virtual reality?
1: Virtual, the user is completely immersed. So typically there's a whole headset and once the user puts on the headset they can't see anything that's actually around them. And so they're like completely submerged in whatever the game is or the platform or like, you know, what have you. So it's like, if you use a VR headset to explore, you know, the world, like Google Earth or outer space, it's completely like surrounding you.
0: So how does the partially virtual interface of AR pose unique cybersecurity risks or or threats, I suppose?
1: Yes. Great question. So it occurred to me that because the users attention span is already focused on like two things at once, it kind of concerned me that oh well if an attacker were to send um like a text message of any sort while the user is already trying to focus on two things at once, it's kind of presents a third element for them to focus on. And at that point, like, you know, especially if you're immersed in something like Google Maps, or like, Pokemon Go, you're already focusing on the real world that's actually around you, you're focusing on the objects that have been superimposed in front of you. And then if A text message comes on screen especially one that like you know if you happen to accidentally click on it and it has a malicious link well then you're probably already done so i would say personally as someone who has also used virtual reality i tend to be a little more in tune to the suspiciousness of something that is infiltrating that space As opposed to, like, you know, just if I'm on my phone and I see like the real world, I would be more likely to just like view a malicious text as a text that's coming in. And like, you know, maybe um, I wasn't expecting a text with a link or something like that. So I'm probably less likely to be suspicious over that than I would be if like, you know, the same kind of text like came on screen when I really wasn't expecting one to, which would probably be more of the case in a VR. Yeah,
0: and I, uh, just, just to add on, with all this new AI technology and ChatGPT and, you know, people being able to make really good fake emails, phishing emails and send them to people like that are look legitimate. Like I got one the other day that was for from USPS that was like, Oh, we can't deliver your package. Like, here's, here's a link, whatever. Like, Mm -hmm. I think that's going to get a lot of people. So yeah, a little bit scary. And I'm, I'm interested to see, you know, what are some of the things, you know, when it, when augmented reality and virtual reality really does start being implemented into organizations, you know, what are some of the ways to combat some of the social uh fishing and and stuff like that so pretty interesting things mm-hmm. so i guess why is it beneficial to identify if familiar and urgent attack tactics are successful in the, in these distracting augmented reality environments
1: sure so a wealth of studies on fishing attacks have actually focused on these specific methods that attackers use uh, to social engineer users and familiarity and urgency are huge ones. Because urgency tends to um, evoke like a sense of not panic, but like, you know, like, time shortage, I guess. And then familiarity is really tricky, because just like with a phishing email, you know, a phishing text can essentially poses someone you know from your contacts or something like that. And so that's really the essence of social engineering is like, you know, posing as somebody the user knows.
0: Yeah. So based on the study you mentioned in the article, why do you believe that attention to social norms suggests that users in augmented reality might value social pressures over their personal digital security?
1: Well, I was really thinking about it from a standpoint of if you think that you're receiving a text message from somebody you know, you're probably not really going to want to ignore that. And that comes from both, like, you know, my own experiences, uh, the studies that I've read, and just like speaking to people personally for the original research um, that I conducted for this article. So people are definitely, I think, like, Obviously, if they're primed to be on the lookout for like a suspicious text or email, then they're probably going to be more careful, but as far as when they're immersed and they're otherwise distracted, they might not be as careful.
0: What can developers do to help prevent some of the threats that these users are going to face using these applications?
1: Yeah, so that's a question. I would say from my research that it's largely still on the users at this point. And to your statement regarding how organizations will probably eventually start incorporating more AR and VR, it would really fall on the effectiveness of phishing awareness programs because it's really gonna be about like training human users um, to make sure that they don't fall for these attacks. But I do think that like that added distraction element poses kind of an added layer here because obviously, you know, if you just receive an email to your inbox at work that looks strange, you have like, you know, it probably has more of your full focus than if you were like engaged in some sort of AR experience, if that makes sense.
0: So I guess in this ever-evolving world that we live in now that technology is just exponentially getting better and better and faster. How do you see the future of augmented reality, both just in a general sense, but also from a cybersecurity perspective as well? Like what do you, what are you most interested in, I guess, to see when a year two years from now, five years from now with, with these immersive technologies?
1: Sure. So I've, conducted a lot of research on how it's actually already being used. It's being used largely in education and medicine. And I really think that, especially I would say in the case of medicine, the organizations will have to be very, very careful for these type of threats. Um, And like personally, I am very interested to see how effectively these organizations carry out like social engineering awareness programs because i really think that the risk element lies largely with the human user and i think that it always will
0: i know we kind of talked about this but why choose augmented reality opposed to just like a virtual reality or a mixed reality
1: so mixed reality is kind of similar to augmented reality but in general, I didn't really want to focus as much on VR because VR again is kind of like completely immersive. And so I wanted to kind of investigate like how there might be less of an element of distraction there, if that makes sense. Then when you're using AR, where you have the real world around you which your brain is processing, and then you have the objects or the content that is superimposed by the platform. Um, And then that would kind of mean that anything like a social engineer text message that you receive will kind of be like a tertiary observation at that point. And that's kind of why I would imagine that it could be more, easy uh, that it could be easier for a user of augmented reality to, fall for something like that.
0: Yeah, I agree. Especially when when playing Pokemon Go, for example, like mm-hmm. if they're at like a boss or whatever gym or whatever they call it, and they're yeah. just sitting there clicking or whatever, things are just popping up. They might accidentally hit it. So yeah, yeah, I would.
1: I would say that another reason that the wherewithal importance lies largely with the human users is because while IoT is becoming increasingly relevant and we are seeing a lot more centralization of all of our apps, it's kind of hard to program, at least in this point in time, it's kind of hard to program or expect these applications to, be able to interface enough with like your native texting or email application to like block or warn you about certain suspicious messages
0: right I, i'm I'm curious what are some other attacks or threats or risks that these users of augmented reality are, will face besides social engineering do, do you know any of them off the top of your head like what what might be coming for people to to look out for?
1: Sure, so um, I have found that there are concerns surrounding virtual reality, and that's actually more on the developer side. There is some suspicion that the developers might have too much insight into the user in that case. Obviously that's more surrounding privacy rather than like, you know, cybersecurity risks, but augmented reality, I would say at this time seems to be mostly dominated by the um, social engineering risk.
0: If more experiments are done to analyze the combination of distraction and immersive environment, psychological persuasion, and then intimidation tactics, what do you hope that the results would reveal?
1: I would really hope that we see evidence that there are fewer successful attacks being carried out I'm not really sure that that can um, completely be the case until users become a little more familiar with these types of immersive applications, because I would say right now, we're not really completely accustomed to using them, especially not at work. I would say more from a personal standpoint. And actually my primary research for this article, it was really taken from respondents who largely use AR in their personal lives rather than professional. So I think as far as professionally, the organizations first have to begin utilizing AR. And then I think from there, we'll see like, you know, the various levels of importance that are placed on like fishing awareness programs for AR. I think that there's a long way to go.
0: Yeah. So besides using a phone for augmented reality, what are some other ways that augmented reality can be can be used? I know they, for instance, using for like shopping, they you can you can try clothes on and, and stuff like that, like standing in mirrors or smart mirrors and stuff like that. But yeah, you know, what are some what are some other cool things that might be implemented with augmented reality?
1: Right. So my research specifically i found that in the medical space they're using like large monitors essentially that provide augmented views of like a certain section of human anatomy for example and it helps students to like see a super magnified view of that part of the anatomy. Um, Obviously, like, you know, that's a case where it would probably be more difficult for attackers to like, you know, target um, users, obviously, because the UI is huge. In that case, it's a lot bigger than like, you know, just a mobile phone. So, and like, you know, that's really good, because you don't really want I mean, we already have like, problems with ransomware attackers like essentially leading to deaths at hospitals so we really wouldn't want them to be messing with the um AR space in medicine as well
0: what are you most excited to see with technology over the next you know 1 to 1 to 5 years cuz i know there's going to be a lot there's there's going to be some pretty cool innovative things that i think mm-hmm show up so i'm I'm pretty excited for it also a little little unwary but
1: yeah yeah i'm a little wary too because specifically for the piece of technology that i would say i'm most excited about the airbus i don't know like maybe it's going to be kind of like in minority report the film um i think that they're trying to like get to a point where it would ease traffic congestion essentially to give folks the option to travel by air rather than like on the freeways and the streets now obviously that's extremely far off as far as I know but I would say overall that's kind of what I'm most excited about both in terms of pollution and just like the incredible congestion and terrible commutes to work and things like that.
0: Yeah. The only thing that I guess worries me a little bit about that is, uh, them just falling out of the sky and things like that. The hackers messing with them. Yeah. <laughs> to do who knows what. So that's a bit, exactly. that's a bit scary. Sarah, I, I hate to do this, but unfortunately we are out of time for today. It was a pleasure to chat with you and this was a great conversation. So thank you so much for joining us and taking the time out to talk to us. Thank you for having um, me. No problem. So for our listeners, if you're interested in reading Sarah's article, go ahead and click the link in the description below. I'm Colin Better, and thank you for tuning in to this ISACA podcast.